0: It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, August 10th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. A new study from the Public Health Institute has shocking findings. Hear what the study's lead author has to say about California's air quality. Coming up on the California Report. Then, the California News Service looks at the rise in scams throughout the state, before we bring you local news and weather. The Ridgestock Music and Sustainability Festival returns to the North Columbia Schoolhouse. KVMR's Felton Pruitt speaks to the new producers about the festival's 21st year. We close with a commentary by Jim Hightower. This
1: is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. A Los Angeles City Council meeting turned into chaos yesterday when members of the public in attendance started shouting at council members and one person made an attempt to lunge at the Dais. To restore order, police were brought in and ordered people to leave. What caused the unrest at City Hall? The California Report's Saul Gonzalez explains.
2: The raucous city council meeting was sparked by a controversial ordinance before local elected officials banning homeless encampments within 500 feet of Los Angeles schools and daycare centers. Once protesters were cleared from council chambers by police, the measure passed in an 11 to 3 vote. Critics say the ordinance will criminalize homelessness in Los Angeles while doing little to provide the unhoused with more shelter and housing opportunities. Mike Bonin is an L.A. city councilman who was once homeless himself and voted against the measure. He says the encampment ban will just shuffle the homeless population to other places. This is a question of whether or not we are going to put our energy and our focus into a strategy that manages where encampments are by moving them from block to block, or whether we're gonna put our time, our energy, our funds, our attention into ending homeless encampments by ending homelessness and moving people indoors but many parents and school administrators in Los Angeles say homeless encampments, near schools and daycare centers have become a threat to children because of unsanitary conditions, mental health problems, and drug use. Alberto Carvalho is the superintendent of the LA Unified School District and has been a leading voice in favor of the encampment ban. The trauma, the long-term, short-term repercussions impact on the psychological, cognitive development of children that those conditions present should be unacceptable to any one of us. People who violate the encampment ordinance could face a fine. Those who willfully try to resist its implementation might also be charged with a misdemeanor offense. For the California Report, I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles.
1: Meanwhile, in Sacramento, a measure that would require the city to provide more shelter for the unhoused community will remain on the November ballot but last night, the council voted to change the ballot measure, saying it will only go into effect if the county agrees to provide mental health and substance abuse services for individuals who need them. If approved, the city would be required to open up 1,100 new shelter beds, and officials would also be empowered to clear more homeless encampments. Homeless advocates have vowed to sue the city, arguing that more sweeps will lead to the homeless not getting the services they need. They also say the proposal to does not require the city to build more housing. In other news, more than 4,000 COVID-19 deaths in California could have been prevented in one year if the entire state met national ambient air quality standards for particulate matter. That's according to a new study by the Public Health Institute. With me to discuss more of the findings is Dr. Paul English. He's the lead author on the study and director of the Public Health Institute's Tracking California program.
3: Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Maddie.
1: What is particulate matter? Why is it bad for our health? And how does that mix with COVID lead to more deaths?
3: Yeah, um, particulate matter is a, is a common air pollutant. Its sources come from different places, including uh, traffic emissions and, and wind-blown dust. The particulate matter that we were looked at in this study, fine particulate matter, is really small. It's just a fraction of, of a size of the diameter of a human hair. And why this is so bad is it um, penetrates deeply into the lungs and it can cause oxidative stress and it can cause inflammation of the airways that increase problems like asthma and and cardiovascular diseases. Uh, We already know that air pollution causes increases in flu mortality. And so that's why we were interested in looking at the relationship with COVID-19.
1: And what were some of the other key takeaways from this study?
3: Well, we found that people that lived in um, areas of long-term fine particulate matter pollution, this was 19 years of of, of data we looked at, uh, they had a 51 percent increased risk of dying from COVID than those that living in the cleaner areas of the state, and a 20 percent increased risk of being infected with COVID.
1: And, you know, we know California is home to some of the highest levels of air pollution in the country who is most at risk in the state in terms of geographical location and demographics?
3: Yeah we found um, there's two locations in the state that had the highest the highest levels of fine particulate matter pollution. In fact these areas were nine times higher than the, the cleaner areas of the states and, and in particular these were the San Joaquin Valley. And what we call the South Coast Air Basin, which includes uh, Los Angeles County and parts of Orange and Riverside counties. And not only that, we looked at uh, these areas. These areas are more likely to be Hispanic and they're more likely to have vulnerable populations, you know, based on factors like income and housing and education.
1: And for areas like the San Joaquin Valley with wildfire season up and going, how does that impact these communities?
3: Wildfire smoke also contains the spine particulate matter and, and other compounds. This is something of concern how exposure to wildfire smoke may also increase your, your risk of COVID.
1: And what can be done to improve these outcomes?
3: Well, you can do two things. You could either um, decrease the the emission levels to begin with, which is preferable. That would be preventing this from happening. Or uh, you can do things after There's exposure and and those are things like people should be using air cleaners in their house during high pollution days and wildfire events. Also, we really need to protect the most vulnerable populations. And those are outdoor workers, for example, farm workers. And those, um, of course, they should be wearing and provided personal protective equipment um, that should be considered that they should have time off, paid time off during these wildfire and high air pollution events.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much. Again, that was Paul English. He's the lead author on the study and director of the Public Health Institute's Tracking California program. Thanks again, Paul.
3: Thank you. Support for the
4: California Report comes from Personal Capital, providing people with financial tools like the retirement planner to help them achieve their financial goals. Personalcapital.com. Hint fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at SchmidtOcean.org.
1: And that's the California Report for Wednesday, August 10th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host,
0: Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Scams are on the rise and California is fighting back. Suzanne Potter reports on the red flags you should be aware of in this edition of the California News Service.
5: Last year, Americans reported losing a record-breaking $5.8 billion to scams, and now the state of California and AARP are teaming up to try to bring that number down. A four-part web series on consumer fraud protection debuts today at noon and runs every Wednesday through the end of the month. Sally Westlake is with the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation.
6: The most recent report by the FBI said last year over 3,000 Californians fell victim to online romance scams, losing a total of nearly $184 million. The most vulnerable to fall victim to romance scams are people over the age of 60.
5: The first Scam Chat webinar will cover the most prevalent types of fraud in California right now. The other three in the series will cover home improvement and solar schemes, investment fraud, and financial empowerment. More details are online at the AARP California website. Jackie Wiley, also with the Department of Financial Protection and Innovation, says people should be suspicious when a person calls or emails claiming to work with a financial institution or a law enforcement or government agency.
6: It could be a utility company telling you your bill is delinquent. It could be the IRS. It could be someone saying you missed jury duty.
5: Wiley adds it's always a big red flag if a caller or email asks for payment via cryptocurrency or gift cards. You can report scams to the Federal Trade Commission or to the DFPI call center. For California News Service, I'm Suzanne Potter. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org.
0: Now let's take a look at today's regional news. Nevada County supervisors on Tuesday voted 4 to 1 to put a half-cent sales tax on the November ballot. Supervisor Dan Miller opposed. The vote had to pass by four-fifths, meaning the measure will appear on the ballot. Supervisors agreed to a 10-year sunset on the sales tax if it passes. The county will work on agreements between itself and Grass Valley, Nevada City, and Truckee on how the tax dollars will be allocated. Over 100 people attended the meeting, filling seats and lining the back walls as fire and county officials listed reasons why the tax is needed. They say $12 million could be raised each year and go toward roadside vegetation abatement, homeless outreach, and more green waste drop-off events each year. Fire and county officials detailed the sales tax measure before public comment. Steve Monahan, director of the county's Information and General Services Department, listed what a half-cent sales tax could fund if implemented. He says it currently takes 10 years for county workers to reach all county roads and abate roadside vegetation. The sales tax could shorten that to three years. The tax could also create a greater outreach to homeless people. Quote, We've been doing this work, we just need to do more of it. More annual visits to homeowners, from just a few hundred now to thousands of visits, would help with home hardening. It would enable the possibility of more grant funding and mean more than only one green waste drop-off event a year. Monahan says. "Monahan says these funds will be controlled locally and cannot be taken away by the state. Cal Fire Chief Brian Estes says the Nevada Yuba Placer Unit had 361 wildland fires in 2021 and 282 fires so far this year. Public comment began at 5.30 p.m. Truckee and Grass Valley officials seemed to lean against the tax. Grass Valley Mayor Ben Aguilar argued the tax should be general, not special. A general tax requires only a simple majority to pass, and the money raised would go into the general fund with no specific restriction on how it's spent. Aguilar asked for a document detailing how the money would be allocated, a financial study, and a sunset clause. The latter was ultimately granted. Joy Porter, a downtown Grass Valley business owner, says county staff didn't approach the city's downtown association about the tax. This from the Union of Grass Valley. The search for 16-year-old Truckee resident Kylie Rodney continues today, as authorities follow up on leads while also searching by air for her whereabouts. The Placer County Sheriff's Office says detectives are following up on tips received, and the department's Falcon 30 helicopter is assisting the Nevada County Sheriff's Office with the search. Placer County Sheriff's Office Sergeant Scott Alford says that nothing is being ruled out as far as the investigation goes. However, he added that currently there's no evidence that supports Rodney was abducted. Despite the numerous resources involved in the search, Rodney and her vehicle, a 2013 silver Honda CRV with California license plates, remains missing. California Highway Patrol, Truckee Police, and the FBI are also assisting in the search. Rodney was last seen at 12.30 a.m. Saturday at a party attended by approximately 100 kids near the Prosser family campground. The sheriff's office says her phone has been out of service since the party. Rodney is a white female, about five a 115 pounds, with blonde hair. She has numerous piercings and jewelry, including a nose ring. She was last seen wearing green Dickies pants and a black tank top. This reported by the Sierra Sun. Turning our attention to local weather and your air quality index. Despite Tuesday and today's brief cool down, brace yourself for the return of hot weather later this week. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight mostly clear with the low around 60. Thursday, sunny skies with the high near 87. Current air quality is good with an AQI of 25. Thursday's air quality is good with a potential AQI of 28. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight clear with the low around 47. Thursday, sunny with a high near 78. Winds increase to 10 to 15 miles per hour in the afternoon. Current air quality is good with an AQI of 7. Thursday's air quality is good with a potential AQI of 18. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 60. Thursday, partly sunny with a high near 95. Current air quality is good with an AQI of 4. Thursday's air quality is good with a potential AQI of 27. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. it's easy to get the post-fair blues. Up ahead, KVMR's Felton Pruitt has the antidote for what to focus on once the fair has come and gone.
4: We're talking with Barbara and Brian Jones. They're the new producers of the Ridgestock Music and Sustainability Expo, which is coming up on August 27th up at the North Columbia Schoolhouse. Now, this is what, the 21st annual one, uh, Barbara and Brian?
7: It is. We took two years off because of the pandemic, but... uh... A lot of people are really excited about this because uh, we're just anxious to get it going again. It's a big part of our community up here on the ridge, and we're anxious to share it with folks.
4: Oh, it's something that people look forward to every year, so uh, thanks for making it return. Thank you. So give us a little idea what you got planned for this year's Ridgestock Music and Sustainability Expo.
6: Well, we have some good speakers lined up, people that a lot of you know. Martin Webb will be doing his balance beam report live from Ridgestock. Um Circle is going to be helping us with some um information on their Growing Green program that should benefit all the cannabis growers in the community as well as other people who are conscientious growers. Daniel thinks going to be talking about regenerative agriculture and we have a speaker on solar. Our music lineup is amazing with local band Nervous Ending Cal Tucker, who's been playing every night at um, summer nights. Everybody should know them for their rock and bluegrass. Lance Laswell and the Vibe Tribe is a funk band that's out of Placerville, and they uh, r- rap during the day and play music at night.
7: And then Brotherly Mud is a, uh, like Americana voice harmony um, with, uh, out of Auburn area. And they also uh, feature Peter Grant on Pedal Steel. Uh, The last closing us out for the night is Afrolicious. A lot of you guys have danced to them before. They're a super danceable band, a lot of fun.
4: Well, that sounds really great. Now, this has been going on 21 years, and I know that Rue Cantata uh, was involved with this for so many years, and you guys have taken over now.
6: Yes, we have. Rue, you know, like anybody, started to suffer some burnout from it, and Brian and I were committed to carrying on this community activity that's been such a big part of the San Juan Ridge for so long, we didn't want to see it done, so it's for the good of all that we're out there doing it.
4: All right. We're talking with Barbara and Brian Jones, who are the new producers of the Ridgestock Music and Sustainability Expo. Uh, How would people find out more information about this and get tickets?
7: Well, we we have tickets available on eventbrite.com. Um, we also have a web. We have a website that is. Um,
6: RidgestockMusicFestival dot com.
7: Also, and web, our, we have a Facebook page. And we have local tickets available um, at Mother Truckers up on San Juan Ridge.
4: Is there a phone number people could call for more information if they're computer challenged?
7: Yeah. Yes, five three zero two seven
6: seven three seven six one.
4: So what else would you like folks to know about the return of Ridgestock to the North Columbia Schoolhouse?
6: Well, we have some really good food vendors, some great children's activities, and... Um,
7: and we've, uh, the stage is rebuilt, so yeah, the, the, new the, ve- the venue itself is more beautiful than ever. So I think it's going to, um, with any luck, be a beautiful day on the San Juan Ridge and nice and shady up in the big trees.
4: Well, it sounds wonderful, and, and thank you guys for bringing this back because it's a community event that everybody looks forward to every year.
7: All right. Well, All right. I hope to see you there, too, then.
4: All right. That's Barbara and Brian Jones, the uh, new producers of the Ridgestock Music and Sustainability Expo. We wish you the best.
7: Thank you. Hope to see you. Thanks so much.
0: We close with a commentary by Jim Hightower.
8: Work your fingers to the bone. What do you get? Bony fingers. This 1960s song, mocking the vaunted virtue of working hard, is being sung today with new meaning by all kinds of employees, from factory workers to teachers, and even a few upper-floor executives. The rebellion here is not merely over low pay, but particularly about the unrelenting nature of work itself, the all-consuming job imperative, as if that's your life. Go 40 to 60 hours a week, 50 to 52 weeks a year, for half a century or more, then die. Is that all there is? Is that all we are? Amazingly, this existential, truly revolutionary question is one that millions of hardworking people today throughout our top-down corporate system are asking themselves, their families, and friends. Why are we working like this? Why does it matter? What else is there? Airline pilots, for example, have stunned the industry by prioritizing non-monetary demands in their current contract negotiations with the Big Four monopolistic airline giants. The bosses have offered 14% pay hikes, but pilots are demanding something more meaningful, structural changes to improve their quality of life. They're routinely frustrated by management's inept scheduling, inadequate staffing, and onerous work rules that leave them stressed out dangerously fatigued, and even stranded far from home. The bottom line is not to get another dollar, but being able to plan and enjoy a non-work life. You absolutely cannot address quality of life with money, says the president of the Pilots' Union at Southwest Airlines. You're never going to pay someone enough for a lost piano recital with their daughter or a lost baseball game. This is Jim Hightower saying... There are many compromises required to make a living these days, but we humans are finally beginning to say, Enough! You can buy my hard work, but not my life. The Hightower Radio Lowdown is brought to you by the Lowdown Happy Hour, live-streamed from the Chat & Chew Cafe. Details at HightowerLowdown.org.
0: that's our newscast for this wednesday august 10th visit us online at kvmr.org for anything you may have missed in tonight's newscast kvmr gets support from listeners like you and four paws animal clinic dr susan murphy and sue lester and staff are proud to support kvmr providing medical, dental, alternative, and surgical services for cherished companions on Searles Avenue in Nevada City, fourpawsac.com, and Dr. and Back to Health Chiropractic, offering chiropractic and biocranial care for children and adults since 1999. Open Saturdays, 8.30 to noon. Accepting Medicare. Back to Health Chiropractic. South Auburn Street, Grass Valley. Back to health, gv.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Thursday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.